Give me the green light. Give me just one night. I'm ready to go right now. I'm ready to go right now. I'm ready to go. Okay, welcome everybody to episode 56. We are joined by Kirby Porter. She is a marketing analyst at Pepsi that oversees uh, NBA partnerships. Awesome title. I wish I had it. Kirby, welcome to the pod. Uh, really appreciate you coming on, uh, especially during these crazy times. Yep. No, thank you guys. You know, always looking for new combos and way to entertain ourselves. So happy to be here and meet you guys. Um, so let's uh, jump right in. How talk? Give the the people um, a brief background on your experience, uh, your upbringing, your basketball life, and how you got to, to where you are today. Yeah. Um, so I'll start with where I'm from. Where I'm sitting at home right now in DMV, not in New York, although I miss it. Um, but from the DMV area in Maryland, grew up playing basketball. Um, and for me, and we can dive into this later, but it just kind of really guided me through, you know, what I was interested in, ultimately where I landed um, at Harvard and played there for four years. Absolutely love the experience, the team, the culture, the, the friendship, the family that I left with um, from that experience. And that was great. Um, while at Harvard, did some internship sports um, with the Patriots and also with Under Armour. Um, both in marketing, which kind of led me to do a marketing internship in PepsiCo and learn more about that. And, you know, what I definitely thought and learned and further confirmed was a passion of mine. Um, and so after interning at Pepsi, came back full time, um, coming up on two years in July. Um, and right now I'm currently in our sports marketing team working at the NBA partnership. Um, also have a podcast and content platform called Culture Corporate, which is all about just highlighting student athletes in business, telling our stories, and hopefully providing tools for um, those. Awesome, good breakdown. Um, let's back up to basketball. So you went to Bullis, which is a very, very good school in the DMV area. Um, before, even maybe even before high school. Well, what, first of all, when did you start playing basketball? Yeah, um, the story goes: my uncle gave me this like play basketball back when I was two and we were living in Houston and I would always be the only girl at Rice University's like basketball camps. <laughs> so I guess just kind of stuck with it through there and then started playing like for real, for real, for real. When I started playing AAU in like second or third grade. Um, when wow. I, Early when I, AAU. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. So it's, it's well. been in me, but um, have loved, loved every single bit of it. Wow. And when was the first time you yourself realized like, ooh, I'm kind of better than everybody? <laughs> um, hmm. I feel like middle school because I was, I'm only like six feet, 5'11", six feet. I say six feet. but Six, six feet on Tinder, 5'11 in real life? Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I feel like I realized in middle school because that's when I was like the awkward tall girl, but on the court, it means <laughs> I was taller than everyone, like by a long shot. And I was a guard. So I was like, okay, you know, this kind of works kind of good. Um, and I think, I think from there in middle school is when I definitely started to take it, you know, more seriously. 
Yeah, me and Ian are still waiting for our moment where we think <laughs> we're good at basketball, but we do we do play uh, every so. All about the mindset, guys. Yeah, you know, it's all about the mindset. Where <laughs> did you always want to play in college? Was that always like the goal, or did did it happen naturally? Yeah, I feel like um, you know when you're in third grade, you're not like okay, I'm gonna you know do this to get to the next level like you're just kind of playing for the passion and for the fun of it and as it becomes more ingrained in you and a part of you and who you are and the relationships you're building it becomes so integral that you do see it as you know a medium to get to the next step to the next level and you want to see where the game takes you um so I would say it like happened naturally like as I began to take it more seriously opportunities then started to come and then you think about what can be real um so yeah you know I feel like let's say middle school when um I realized I was good I guess um and opportunities you know started to flow in a little bit um that's when you begin to think about okay maybe this can take me to the next level um so yeah I would say it was like a natural process and I feel like it is for a lot of people too just because it is such a big part of, of who you are and what you do yeah. how did I mean how did the recruiting process obviously getting to high school how did that kind of was it unravel for you I mean obviously Harvard know everything everyone knows kind of outside world was that somewhere you always wanted to go did you want to go ivy league did you have a certain set or was there just what were kind of the factors at least in your mind leading to where you ended up um you know i think for me the the moment that kind of solidified what i wanted to get out of the next level or like what i was looking for like what my values were at the time was when i tore my acl in my sophomore spring and that sophomore summer is like pretty important. Every summer is important, of course, but um, the sophomore summer is like a, going into your junior year is a pretty big one. And I tore my ACL right before that summer. And so I wasn't able to play. And obviously that kind of impacts you a little bit, but that summer I was able to do an externship. So like a, a shadowing yep. at the NFL Players Association. And I think for me, like, although it was so early on, like, I wasn't thinking like a oh, long-term career at this point, but it was kind of that first time where I did get to, um, you know, think about and realize and explore like, okay, there is this other side of the game that I'm able to also have an impact on. And these are things that I should be thinking about as well. So I think ultimately when that happened, I thought about what I wanted um, at the next level. And it was a place where I could excel as a basketball player, but also a program and a culture and a leader and a team that equally valued who we are off of the court. That was like point blank what I wanted out of my experience. And so I think naturally that kind of funnels down to um, the Ivy League and the schools in that realm. Um, and I think with Harvard, you know, um, don't want to jump because I know we'll talk about this too, but I think with Harvard, you know, for me, like, I, it felt like I was stepping into a tradition and a family or coach. Kathy Delaney Smith has been there for the existence of the program. Um, and so you just kind of feel that when you step in, I really connected with the players um, and just felt that that was a place where I would be able to exceed both on and off the court. So just kind of checked all the boxes that we're looking for, but it actually came out of what was a bad moment at the time, but looking back, glad that it happened. Yeah. What, um, who were some of the other schools that recruited you? Yeah, so, um, it was, I think it, it came down to, like, Penn and Harvard, um, and also was, like, looking around the Ivy League as well, um, but I would say I definitely, like, narrowed in on Ivy League probably, like, as soon as I came back to playing in, like, 
my junior year fall. Um, I think that's yeah. started to narrow down. Got it. Okay. Um, all right. So we'll fast forward a bit. So I'm a huge Patriots fan. I would be remiss if I did not ask about your internship experience. What year did you intern? I interned. I'm sorry. Sun wants to come through right now, which is great. I'm on a walk after this. Um, so I interned at the Patriots um, summer after my freshman year, and um, that was like my first like real internship and experience in sports. Um, it was in like a customer marketing strategy role, and I think for me that was a really great opportunity to like a get my foot in the door in the industry. Um, kind of learn about how marketing comes to life in different ways across different aspects of the sports industry. So, you know, brand side, league side, team side, player marketing side. Um, but, you know, working on the team side, working at a brand like the Patriots, which has so much tradition, it has so much story, um, and then kind of understanding different aspects of marketing. So being in a customer marketing strategy role, what are the focuses? What are the priorities? How does marketing come to life at a team? So that was that was a great um, summer. I got a picture with the trophies, so you might be jealous. But <laughs> if you scroll all the way back on my Instagram, you may be able to find it. Um, okay. But that, that you know what that'll be the photo I share on the <laughs> podcast. I'm gonna that's gonna be a throwback. <laughs> People may not recognize me, but um, yeah, that was that was a great internship for sure. Nice. And so then, how did you? What was the connection to Pepsi? How did you get you know like intro there? You know, yeah. into your first gig. Yeah. Um, so with Pepsi, so um, I would say my sophomore year, I joined this, um, minority business development program. It's called MLT management leadership for tomorrow. So I would say that was another great thing, um, you know, about being at Harvard, um, and then also just kind of growing up in, in that, um, kind of environment, you know, you also find other opportunities in addition to like on-campus recruiting, what's happening to do other like business development, like ecosystems and things that are geared toward minorities. Um, and so joined the program and at our first summit, um, PepsiCo was there. It was the Frito-Lay office, which is based in Texas, but they were doing like a case competition. And at first I was like, okay, like I'll check it out, you know? Um, and then as I learned more and more about it, I was like, Oh, okay. Cause you know, the summer before, so I did a customer marketing strategy internship. Then I um, did an internship with the Patriots um, on their brand marketing team. And those are like two different ways of marketing that I got exposure to. Mm-hmm. Um, and as, as the, as the team was talking, presenting the case study, I was like, Oh, okay. I was like, so this is, this is like what excites me about, about marketing, right? Um, you know, the opportunity to work on global brands that impact so many consumers day in, day out. Um, just the scale of the partnerships that we have, the different ways that we're able to impact consumers, the way we bring our brands to life. Like they were just talking about that through all the case studies. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like, you know, this actually sounds like what aligns with what I want to do. So, um, applied, did the internship in the New York office, um, which is where I am now and absolutely loved it. No, that's awesome. And obviously a lot of the guests that we have either, whether it's they're still playing, they're coaching, obviously you've transitioned over in the corporate world, whether it's lessons, whether it's experience, whether it's just kind of just the general teamwork concept of being a part of a team, what are kind of things you take from being a player, being a part of a team on the court and into that the corporate transition? Yeah, um, so 
um, that, so, you know, <laughs> that's a big reason why I started Court to Corporate um, was just to bring light to that exact question, um, because I think you hear so much about athletes in business at yeah. the level of the 2% of like the LeBrons and the KDs in the boardroom. But um, these are all facts that we know. There's so much data supporting it around how athletics and sports um, leads to future leaders, leads to success. There's so many applicable lessons and tactics and mindset that you can take with you um, to your career. Um, but I think a big piece of that was like kind of telling the stories behind it. And, you know, on a personal level, I think, first of all, like I've interviewed a lot of people and I think even learning the tactics, tactics that they have brought has actually helped me and helped me grow. But I think on a personal level, the biggest thing that I think I've taken with me and I talk about this a lot, it's just like that next game mentality. Um, and it's not in like a hungry or greedy sense of like always thinking like what's next, what's next. Um, but I think it's more so in success or in failure, you yeah. are able to take that experience, but also think about the next play, what's ahead, how you can work with the team to get better and strive for what's next. Um, so I think like that's the biggest mentality piece. And then also just kind of like, EQ, like, you know, being on a team, like you, you know, you're like, I, we always say like your sisters are like chosen for you when yeah. you, you step on a team or your brothers are chosen for you. Um, and you learn how to become family with so many people from so many different backgrounds that you may have never met if it wasn't for the game. And I think it's kind of like the same thing in the workplace. Like think about how much time you spend with your coworkers um, and that ability to just kind of, you know, relate with people in different ways, be someone um, that has like high emotional intelligence is a really big skill set. So um, I think that's like another advantage that athletes have as well. No, hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. I think my, one of my previous, I've been in the sports tech kind of startup world. And um, when I was at Crossover, we had probably 80 people in New York office, all former athletes, maybe former managers, people that didn't have any experience. It's kind of, it blends so many different backgrounds. I think the ability, even from a, one from a managing standpoint of a treating different people, handling different ways. I and mean, some people are receptive to, to hard coaching. Some people you need oh. to take a step back. But even just like you said, on a day-to-day basis, just interacting and, and working and realizing, hey, what buttons to push and whatnot that mm-hmm. are going to make it kind of a collaborative, effective approach. It, it definitely, um, from being even, even not even being an athlete past, past high school, <laughs> kind of how that works. It's, yeah. it's a tremendous asset. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I think we talk about that all the time too. And if you're in the sports world, that's what makes the best coaches is yeah. can you relate to every single one of your players on a different level? Like mm-hmm. you could yell, you could absolutely, we can swear on this podcast, motherfuck this <laughs> player. And this yeah. one, you had to coddle a little bit. And if you can't make that adjustment as a coach, then you're, you may be okay, but you're just not one of the best coaches. I think that's one of the biggest things. I wanted to ask you too about one of the first things you said, because we struggle with this and I struggle with this in terms of like the next up mentality. I agree. I definitely got that from coaches of like good or bad it's next up. But I do think something that me personally, I suffered from that mentality is not celebrating successes nearly as much as you should because again it's always the same it's like we're never we're never you're never as good as you think and you're never as bad as you think and you're just drilled into that you could be on an eight game losing streak or winning streak and it's like next 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 so I actually think 
it did wonders for me when something bad happens, but when something yes. good happens, it, I'm just like, yeah, okay. I don't know. What are we doing <laughs> like Is I that expected that anyway. <laughs> no, that's a great point. Um, and I think it's definitely a balance, right? Like you have to find that. And, um, you know, two years into my career, I feel like, um, I definitely had like the next, next, next for like the first year and a half, right? Um, where I think now, like I'm thinking about, okay, like how can I find that balance, um, both from like a mentality perspective of like knowing when to pause and like knowing when to, you know, go full steam ahead. Um, and then also, I think that always kind of goes to, that also goes to the same lane of like thinking about um, what you invest in and like whether that's like external and like, you know, building your personal brand, thinking about what's next, what what podcast, what panel can I be on, what platform can I build? But I think also the flip of that is like, how can you think what's next, like internally, like, you know, what habits do I want to build? Um, what balance do I want to build in my life and my career? Um, what skill sets would I want to learn? So um, in this quarantine, that's what I'm spending time on, <laughs> you know. I was literally just going to bring this up. So yes. it was a perfect tweet, <laughs> segue. So you tweeted, I don't know, a day ago? Yeah, a day ago. Like 22 uh, hours ago. <laughs> and you said, I feel like there's a lot of pressure on people to come out of this quarantine with three side hustles built up and the next million dollar idea. Mm -hmm. I think that's great, but it's equally valuable to use this time to invest in yourself, habits, skill sets, and relationships with others, which is essentially what you just said. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, there is this like, and don't get me wrong, we just had his brother on the podcast and I'm a, I'm a somewhat stan of Gary Vee, but there's like this Gary Vee type mentality of like, mm -hmm. you should like learn how to play the piano <laughs> oh and, and, and cook, yeah, and all this stuff. And, and I'm like, well, we're kind of in like a pretty traumatic yeah. time. You know what I mean? Right. Don't get me wrong. If you do that, more power to you. And I, I, I fight like both sides of my brain of like, like when this podcast ends, like I'm going to want to do more stuff, but then the other part of me is going to be like, there's beer in the fridge. <laughs> Let's hang out. Let's relax for a bit. You know, like that's a struggle. And it was like, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. even know if there was a question there, but I read that tweet and I was like, that's, it's spot on. No. Yeah. So that's hilarious. Cause I literally feel like as soon, maybe like 24 hours and when, when people saw where things were heading that like, overflow of content like that like mm -hmm. this is the time to like do what you said you didn't have time to do if you don't come out of this with like xyz you know it's not that you didn't have time it's that you're not disciplined i'm like whoa, whoa okay like take a step back yeah. like i think um the balance is that that mindset is outside of this quarantine situation and That's what's cool. going on i do think that mindset that hustle mindset is what gets people to a certain level, right? Like you need that, right? Like you need that drive. You need that tenacity. You need that, um, just like kind of inner fire to do and build and grow in a direction without having it like have to be forced out of you. Like you have to have that mindset, but at the same time, I do think it comes with the balance. So like, for example, the reason why I tweeted that was because for, you know, the first like year and six months of my career, I, you know, went like full head, like, you know, grown in my career, mm -hmm. going to corporate, going, 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 going. And then it kind of got to a point where, you know, as I'm doing both of these things, I'm like, I want to read this book so I can, you know, think about how I can be more productive in my work. I'm literally reading this book right now called Great at Work. 
Um, you know, it's called The Hidden Habits of Top Performers. I've been wanting to read this for a year and haven't had the chance to, um, you know, take LinkedIn learning classes and like build my skill sets, right? Like you learn by doing, but you also want to refine what you're learning so you can be better at it. And I tweeted that because like, yes, I, maybe there is a pressure to like, you know, everyone needs content. I should be pushing out content, making core to corporate blow up right now. But also it's like, okay, well, what do, what do I want to come out of this? What do I want my story to be at the end of this? What do you want your story to be at the end of this? And for me, it was more so like, this is a time that I, I personally want to use to um, grow internally so I can come out and the world's going to go back to normal at a certain point. Um, but come out with like healthier habits, come out being more productive, come out with a refreshed mindset. That's how I want to use this time. Cause I've, I've been on go. <laughs> I have been on go. So yeah. funny you, you brought that up. And before we shift to some other topics, like your mentality of go, go, go landed you on sports business journal. Um, you know, new, let me make sure I don't butcher this, but new voice, <laughs> yeah, new voices under 30. So like, what was that experience like? I mean, to get recognized on something that's so prestigious in this world, it must be unbelievable. Yeah, no, thank you. Um, it was like a really, I say it every time, but it definitely was like a really special, um, surreal experience. Um, kind of growing up, like I, you know, always wanted to be in sports and like sports business journals, like one of those publications that you go to, you see the 40 under 40, like you see these lists. And, um, 2019 was the first time that they had 30 under 30. Um, so perfect timing, I guess. Um, but it was, it was, it was great. And I feel like the best part of that experience was like meeting the other people on the list that were also named to it and just kind of like learning about, you know, like where they were in their careers, where they came from, what their journey was. And like, now we, we have those, not like network, we have, we have that relationship um, with each other. And so many of us are like working towards the same thing. So I feel like I always walk away energized when I meet, you know, like like-minded people, um, and especially, you know, like the amount of like women on the list is, you know, always great to see as well to have that representation. So um, it was a great experience. And I feel like meeting the other people is the best part. I hope you get a, a lifetime subscription to it. <laughs> hey, that's a good idea. <laughs> I, I hope you at least get that. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so wanted to ask too, in your opinion, and it could be brands, it could be teams, it could be players, because I think we've seen a ton of players, even just taking, and I don't know if they were advised to do it or not, but getting on TikTok, doing Twitter Q and A's, getting on Instagram lives, like what are some opportunities during this crazy time that players can take and, and try and, um, whether it's increase their brand or, you know, whatever it is, what, in your opinion, what are some good opportunities for them? Yeah. So, um, I actually talked about this. Um, I just like relaunched the newsletter, um, for court to corporate last Sunday, um, to be kind of more geared towards like, okay, we've interviewed all these people, right? What's the takeaway? What's the advice? What's the specific tactic strategy insight that you can take away and apply in your career. And I feel like it was perfect timing because, um, you know, it's at a student athlete level, the way things unfolded, um, 
you know, like national seasons getting canceled, then you see tournaments get canceled, then rest of spring sports. Um, I think it's a lot of different questions, different um, issues or tensions that people are dealing with. I think for seniors, it's especially hard because um, they had their, some had their seasons taken away, some had their last games taken away. Um, for underclassmen, you know, some may have not been impacted at all, but some lost the season. So, you know, I think there's like a lot of different things going on, different variables, different questions to ask and decisions to make. But I think like ultimately where I felt like this is such a great opportunity is within minutes, days of like the NBA season getting canceled, like players like CJ McCollum were, you know, basically putting out a call to action. Like this is a time to be, more than an athlete, take those meetings, um, you know, think about who you want to be beyond the game. And I was like, yes. And I feel like it's so important for people to know that like, this is not just something that applies to professional athletes. This is equally important for student athletes. So I feel like this is like really a time for student athletes to think about like who they are beyond the game. Um, you know, really be a student of the game beyond the games, so, like be a student of a career path that you're interested in, be a student of a network that you're interested in building to kind of refine who you think, you know, what direction you want to grow in beyond your jersey. And then use this time to like brainstorm about like how that can be applied. Like whether if you're an underclassman, how can I apply this when I get back on campus? If I'm kind of towards the end, how can I begin to identify like career paths that kind of align with a direction I want to go um, or an outlet to showcase that now? So um, I, I think like ultimately you know, thinking about who we are beyond, beyond the game isn't just applicable for the pros. I think it's equally important for, for student athletes to think about too. And I think this would be a great use of this time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think too, yeah. like, I mean, access is, yep. is everywhere right now. I mean, like you can get to high level athletes because yeah. everyone is home. Yep. Like, get to, I think that's a big point too, but Ian, yep. go ahead. Yeah, no, definitely. And kind of staying similar topic, but and more shifting more towards looking for and looking at actual sports. And it's something I do on my work day to day. We've seen, obviously, there's a big trickle down effect. There's going to be a trickle down effect of canceling the, the tournament, the NCAA tournament, and the effect that's having on college budgets, especially, say, non revenue producing sports, Olympic sports, things like that. If this does bleed into the fall and the football season, which is obviously the, the biggest moneymaker. How do you see that? And I've got my own opinion and my own kind of million thoughts on it. But how do you see that affecting kind of the other 80% of college athletics outside of D1 basketball and football if, that, if it does affect the season? Yeah. Um, and I think that was even kind of like a point of conversation when um, we were looking at the impact on the decision to cancel spring sports and those like non-revenue driving sports. How is their eligibility impacted? What are the financial implications on the university front? Um, I think ultimately, like what we see right now is that across industries, sports, outside of sports, everyone's being flexible and kind of open to the unknown and what could be and contingency planning. So I do feel like if ultimately there is an impact and this creeps into college football, I feel like we may see calendars being shifted back so that, you know, the basketball season can live as is, or yeah. maybe the university's schedule gets pushed back as a whole. Um, I think we are going to see a lot of just schedule changes or just like yeah. those, social norms that we're used to like 
basketball is played in the winter and then football is this finite amount of time. And then string sports start early March. Like I feel like coming out of this, a lot of those typical timeframes that have just been what they are for a long time um, might change. Um, so we'll see what that would, what, what comes with it. But I feel like people are going to be flexible. Yeah. I'm gonna I even talk to, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just saying, I talked to a soccer coach today in California that said AD was asking prepare for They're basically one, obviously a budget reduction, but a season where they have no non-conference games versus a season, like a normal season. And so just wow. because cutting down, whether it's, Hey, we can say budget. If as long as we're still have the NCAA tournament, our conference tournament, we'll wipe that out. So I think, it's going to be unique. I think it's, it's so still kind of up in the air that how much everything's going to change, but um, it is kind of crazy. Just take a step back and look, especially the sports that obviously division one basketball, majority of it's full scholarship. Well, as you're asking, you're giving a year of eligibility. If they're only on a 30% scholarship, you're asking a kid to pay another year of like, 70% of their way. So there's a lot right. of different factors that go into it. You know how we can solve this and I'm going to pick on Harvard endowment. <laughs> 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 that money does nothing. It's sitting there. So let's take, I, we wouldn't even need 0.1% of $40 billion. <laughs> and look at that. All spring scholarships are funded. Wow. But I mean, who am I, right? Just, a, just <laughs> with a, a, a basketball coach. I mean, the, the solution is there. Right. No one wants, no yeah, one. Yeah, ever, yeah. I mean, what is the point of an endowment? I like, for a rainy day, right? Well, guess what? It's fucking pouring. <laughs> I couldn't tell you guys. I don't know. That was a Harvard corporate answer. I know. You know. Right, I'm thinking. Right. I, I know where you're going. I'm thinking. All right, all right, all right, all right. Okay. Um, what do I want to add? Okay. I, I'm, I'm just going to say the two words and then let you go and, and, re, and respond. But yes. the scheme. Oh. We got to talk about Crazy. this document. Crazy. Oh, my God. So obviously like I'm a college basketball junkie. So like when that news came out, I think it was my senior year, maybe um, I was all on top of it, but somehow I miss Christian Dawkins. Like I didn't know the role that he played and like how integral he was to it. Um, it was a crazy documentary and I'm glad that they told it from his point of view. Um, I, I did think that it raised, um, you know, just, you know, great points about like how we think about um you know, how people profit off of black talent, those dynamics, what the realities are, um, you know, who, who ultimately came down, um, as a result of this. Um, so I think all great questions, um, but it, it was insane. Like just kind of understanding, we all know that's, that's a part of how the game is played, but just kind of understanding like the inner workings, the the level of it that there's businesses built off of this how high it goes how high it goes like it was that was crazy i think that was one of my probably my two biggest takeaways i think was one i almost turned i knew obviously about uh, christian dawkins but i think realizing yeah he didn't want to get the coaches involved at any point it was i just want to get the i'm i'm still breaking the ncaa rules by paying these kids there's no need to loop these in just the kind of way they, they finesse it that way. But then the other part of that was just kind of how the FBI investigation was almost handled where it was almost kind of wiped away where at, at a certain point, whether that's pressure from 
certain politicians, whether that's from certain corporations. Yeah, but also, but also Christian Dawkins basically said, I'm not taking a plea deal <laughs> and I'm fighting this. And they really thought people were just going to like fall in line. Right. Yeah. Uh, like, hell no. This all, he didn't break a law. I know. He didn't, <laughs> like, look, like, fine. Like, yeah. Is this like kind of the, the shittier part of the business? Yes. Wow. Without a doubt. Did he break a law? Didn't even come close. Like, don't try and sell me on money laundering or bribery. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff D'Angelo, we don't even know where this guy is. Literally. It was, great. it was great storytelling. As a marketer, I'll tell you that. The way the, the documentary yeah. unfolded, like, he would tell the story as it is from his point of view. Then they would break down that Jeff D'Angelo was an FBI agent. I was like, I was like, dude, oh, my God. I'm sorry. And I was like, they would put the little adjectives next to the, the pictures of, like, what he was <laughs> yeah. saying. It was like, real, like, uh, finesse or guy, whatever it was. Finesse, it, was like, it was his official title. It was perfect. Yes, that was, was so great. Funny. And I, I thought the – I thought the um, – I don't know the right word. Just the comparison of when uh, you would see Sean Miller or uh, Will Wade be like, I've never talked to these dudes, blah, blah. And then the next clip is them no. on the phone being like, <laughs> I just offered this guy, like, when's he going to commit? And I'm just like, how he messed this up so bad. At just <laughs> everyone, everyone messed this up. Like the FBI looks, the Southern district of New York looks awful. And I don't know if he, any of you guys watch billions, but I don't, I don't. Uh, I feel like I should yeah, you watch billions and it's oh basically about the Southern district of New York. It's about a million things, but, um, or no. Yeah. Yeah. Billions. Yeah. Same show. Um, yeah, I thought it was nuts, man. I, Easy. I like look like this has been going on for thirty years. Like Pete players have been getting paid for a long time, so that's not shocking. I think that's maybe shocking to like people who just don't know or like don't want to know or yeah. like turn a blind eye and be like, "Not my university." It's like, yes, <laughs> that's your university. Yeah, yes, your college. If like nine out of they, they open with that quote, like nine out of ten colleges are cheating, and the tenth is in last place. <laughs> If that doesn't say it, you know what I mean? Like, then that's it. Um, I don't, I don't know. What else? I mean, the the Dawkins stuff, I I feel bad for him because he's, the dude's a genius. Like he's smart as hell and just. Very confident and very like. Very business savvy. Yeah. Business savvy. savvy. Knows like what it needs to get done and is just willing to do it. I thought it was super interesting that when Merle Code from Adidas started to like catch on, like, yo, this is not normal. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that was a super interesting combo too. Yeah. Yeah. I think they knew. Um, but I will say I was very impressed by just like his level of like business acumen, like jumping from an AAU program manager to an MBA agent. He's like, I don't need to go to college. I know what I want to do. And oh, it just built relationships too. Yeah. I mean, like it, it, not just like the fake relation. It doesn't seem like yeah. it seems like they were meaningful enough that people trust him. He had this space. And so. Yeah. Very, when his mom well. at the end read that, read the letter that he wrote, I think to his parents, basically mm-hmm. trying to plead to not go to college and was like, just give me a year. And then everything came true in the letter. <laughs> it was like, holy shit. Right. Right. That was, that was unbelievable. I, uh, the dude, Marty Blazer, couldn't be more of a scumbag. Like <laughs> I, I, I was just angry. Like this is the guy. Like <laughs> how are you going to get caught out to basically say, "Hang tight, I'll give you college basketball." Right. And the guy <laughs> saying, "Okay." I, yeah. It was crazy. Wild world. 
Yeah, absolutely wild. Um, a documentary I recommend for, for everyone. Yeah, for everybody. Uh, okay, so a couple last uh, quick hitters. What I, You briefly mentioned it, but what book are you reading right now? Well, um, the book I recommend, or I literally I started this last night, but I typically take a long time to read books. I'm not taking a long time to read this one because it's real good. It's okay. called Great at Work. We were talking about this earlier. Um, the Hidden Habits of Top Performers. It's great. Like, it's just kind of the reworking that I think we all need in terms of, like, how we think about work, how we think about productivity, and, like, how we actually define good work. It's a good book, and it gives, like, really solid, clear recommendations. So I was scribbling all in it last night, so hoping to finish it soon. So definitely recommend for... Great at work. Who's, it, who's the author? Morden Hansen. Hansen, okay. Yep. Um, yeah, it's funny, like, you know obviously you're just a product of whatever environment, uh, you grew up in, but being, um, born in the United States of America, you are just taught work. And like any time I've ever visited Europe or really, really anywhere else, anywhere outside of here, (laughs) anywhere outside of here, but especially Europe, like it's, they just look at it differently. Like, yeah, Yeah. do they want to do good work? Of course. Are they proud of what they do? Of course. But they're also like, very happy when it ends for the day or you know like hey i'm taking today off or i mean even just the concept that like they look at august as just like not <laughs> like imagine right. we as a country were just like hey guess what we're just gonna we're not, just gonna wrap it up i'm right. on vacation um we're done and right. I think that's just like such a fundamental difference that i wish we leaned a little further towards that mm-hmm. and like i mean even when you go on vacation like you're checking emails and yeah. you're the whole thing it's we like, don't know how to detach no it's i get yelled at all the time for <laughs> on and too much and yeah right something to always work on so i'll pick that up that's a good one um what about podcasts what do you listen to if you are right now i listen to so many podcasts <laughs> yeah, but I pull up besides the my own <laughs> sorry besides <laughs> my own um okay so i listen to snacks daily that's so do you listen Yes. It's so good. Like they basically, if you're not familiar, like they, it's like Bloomberg, I guess, or like CNBC, but it's like fun to listen to. Like they give you financial news. They tell you what's happening in the tech industry. And it's like so entertaining. They like always start with like, what are the three takeaways? Like there are opening songs, like a hip hop song. Like it's such a fun podcast. That song gets stuck in my head. Literally. Um, yeah, I would, I would say that. And I also listen to how I built this like a lot, um, so much that I'm like re-listening to some episodes. So I love that one too. The how I built this is funny because you don't realize how many, uh, massive ideas were either like almost failed right away or like, like Airbnb, like that had, I had no idea how long that was around before it was a real thing. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. That one was that. That one was crazy. That was uh, a good one. Yeah, I'm trying to think about this, but okay. Um, the other question I wanted to ask was, yeah. So, what are you looking forward to most when life comes back online? <laughs> just seeing my people. You know, <laughs> everyone's like joking. They miss the streets. They actually do miss the streets. Like I miss my friend. Just like the little things. Like I feel like everyone's saying this but like we take so many little things for granted like i don't know 
like, I don't know, waiting too long for the check at the restaurant, just like things that typically bug us, but you wish you had that extra time with your friends. So definitely looking forward to seeing all my people in New York and actually miss New York a lot too. So especially in New York, I feel like, because there's certain like, I feel like there's things that like I hate in the day to day, but then I'm like missing right now, whether I would gladly like to like, just walk through my, like, even if there's a million cars driving by, it's like, (laughs) I just like to be able to see new things rather than just around my box to the dog park and back. Exactly. I've, I will say I've never been on so many walks in my entire life. Oh, like, yeah. I don't need any more walks after this. I'm good. Yeah. If this is what retirement looks like, I don't think I can do it. <laughs> yeah, that's what's crazy. Right? And that's the thing you think about, like my end goal, I want to get to a point where I can retire. We have, it's like, I, I, and I'm like, I wonder why there's always people that are like picking up side jobs all the time. They, they right. My grandfather retired was like 89 years old. I just never got, I'm like, you <laughs> that long? No, I realized I'm like, I'm going to need something. Yeah. Consistently. Right. He's always going to need to do something. Always. Yeah. Always got to keep the brain going. Yeah. All right. So last question. Um, you officially have the green light for a hot take. Um, so whatever your is on your mind, whether it's sports related or media or funny or whatever you want, um, hot take for the future, what do you got for the future? Um, I'm not sure how much of a hot take it is, but I think women's sports are going to be the winner out of the Corona, um, coronavirus. Um, I think the strength of so many women's leagues, are the players. Um, I think a question or something that hasn't been as available is access to them, even though they are by not definition, but they are some of the most accessible players that are so multifaceted and amazing and have amazing journeys and brands and stories and platforms and voices. And going back to our first point, so many people want to get want to get access to the player. They want to get access to um, something that has been previously unattainable. They want to hear their stories. And so I really think this is a time where people will take the time to listen to the stories of these female athletes and, um, you know, walk away with deeper relationships. I think that's just going to fuel the future of the players, the teams and all the leagues. So I think women's sports are going to be a winner out of this. And nice. yeah, that's a good that's a good take right there. Oh, yeah. I don't yeah. disagree. I think so too. And I think uh, even uh, even the stuff that's going on now, you look like the ESPN did their bracket of like all the top college basketball players of all time, and they yeah. obviously a lot. And I think there are a lot of people who I think their eyes were open. It was like Brianna Stewart's, like basically her four national titles, or right. And it was like yeah. her and Lou Alcindor, and it was like everyone. I think they voted Jordan number one, and then everyone's like, that's just not no. true. It's like, no, look, Lou Alcindor won all this. And then everyone on the other side was like, Brianna Stewart had even more wins, even right. national championships. And, all this. and so it's been really cool, I think, to see kind of that spotlight. And you know, I listened to Sue Bird and Megan Rapino were on JJ Ruddick's podcast. Like, mm-hmm. last week. Um, and I kind of, not only did a deep dive, but like I looked back on like Sue Bird's career. So the fact like what she, the age she's at now, the level she's continued to play at. Yeah. It, at least even just during this time, it's like making me. It's like opening my eyes more. Yeah, we're all taking a little bit more time just to you know keep our eyes open and really be willing to like learn in here. So yeah, yeah. awesome. Yeah, for sure. All right, so uh, really quick before we go, where can everybody find you? Social, Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff. Uh, Kirby Porter on LinkedIn, on Twitter and IG, Kerbo Bangs with two S's, and I don't really use Facebook, so. (laughs) 
Facebook. Feel free to reach out to me on any of those and would love to connect with you guys. And how about Court to Corporate? Do you have one for that too? Yes, Court to Corporate. Um, It is Court to Corp on Twitter. And then just type in Court to Corporate on Instagram or or LinkedIn and it'll pop right up. Awesome. Well, Kirby. Listen to our podcast. (laughs) Yeah, where can people listen? Everywhere? It's on on all platforms, wherever you listen to podcasts. Spotify is my favorite. Um, But Court to Corporate Podcast, Athletes Playbook in the Business World. We have interviewed um, near 40 athletes in business from major companies across all industries um, that are all just, you know, leveraging who they are and what they do to succeed in business. So check it out while you have some time. Nice. Well, that was awesome. Kirby, really appreciate you coming on. Thank you again and uh, enjoy your walk. Yes. Uh, yeah. Get some sun. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. We'll talk to you soon. Lately, I've been feeling like this is what I've been working towards. If you ain't trying to be the boss, then tell me what you're working for. Certain doors are closed, but now they opening up. Celebrating with some shots, maybe poking a cup. Pull, slush, rust, souls up next, and I got this. Crazy like Britney and the love so toxic. Got a wall up, I'm trying to infiltrate a conscious. Taking 12 shots like where the cops is. Come on.